I'm going to talk for just a few minutes about the, um, the vision going forward. It's so important that we, we live lives of vision, that we have vision ourselves. We need vision to see where we're going, uh, quite simply. It doesn't take a genius to realize that without vision, the Bible says, people perish. People don't achieve or go where they should. There was once back in 1998, who was around in 1998? Good few of you. Oh, I, I was, I was um, a certain age in 1998. But in 1998, the International Centre for Eye Health launched a paper entitled Vision 2020. And it set the target of eliminating blindness by the year 2020. While it's made some strides, worldwide blindness has certainly not been eliminated. Particularly in parts of the third world, it continues to be a big problem. And similarly, as churches, we must strive not only for vision, but clarity of vision. So that we, we the people of God, together, can see who God is, what he says, where he's taking us, who, who their neighbor is, and to see what they were created to do. What is our purpose? Why are we here? We are a church that must, must, must move with the times. We must never, ever, ever change the message of God's redemptive power the gospel of Jesus Christ. That must never change. We must never dilute. We must never be ashamed of. The Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for everyone who believes. Salvation unto God for everyone who believes. We must never change the message. But the means by which we communicate the message should always be up for grabs. I believe it's important to always be creative, to always seek to move with the time so we communicate the message in a way that people understand. I think that's just common sense. Would you say so? People need to be able to understand. Sometimes if we speak funny language or if we say stuff or act or even worship in a way that just is completely foreign, then how are we ever really going to demonstrate the relevance of God to people who don't understand it? We've got to communicate in a way that people understand. I've studied a fair amount of church history and it's a tragedy when you see so many great moves of God that turn out to be relics. They end up fossilized. They end up being superseded by something else. And that always happens when we don't move on, when we don't move with the times, when we don't change. If we understand the way that change takes place, the way that paradigm shifts work, we might not ever be scared of change again. Because if we understand that it starts with the presentation of something new, then going through almost like a tunnel of understanding how that new stuff begins to affect us and how it might alter our lives in some way. And then out the other side, when we become used to the change and it becomes the new norm, we wouldn't be scared again. We wouldn't need to fear change. The American pastor Craig Rochelle once said, people aren't afraid of change. Have you ever heard the phrase, people don't like change. He says it's not true. He says people do like change. They're just as scared of the way that they might have to change. I love change. I love it when you see something bright and new and bold. I remember once getting an Apple update on my phone. I've just confessed that I'm Apple and not um, Android, aren't I? Um, 
remember once getting an update, and I was like, oh no, I like the old one so much, how am I going to get used to it? I saw the old one just a few weeks ago, and I was like, oh my word, that looks so old-fashioned compared to what we have now. But it took a slightly uncomfortable few days of getting used to, period of getting used to something new. If we don't ever change, we'll never move on. Change should be exciting. It should be an opportunity to breathe in new life. At the start of the year, we so often do a Vision Sunday in order to say, well, this is what we think God is saying. This way we think God is going. But do you know what? And I have to say, and you must remember this. Please remember this. We never want to change the message. The gospel is, well, while I've got anything to do with it, the message of this church will not change. Jesus is still Lord. The cross is still enough. The finished work of Jesus is sufficient for, for us. Jesus is still, is still alive, he's still on the throne, and he is coming back for his church. That, that's enough. That doesn't need to change. That, for me, that's just reality. To deny it would be like trying to deny that gravity has an impact in our daily lives. We will only ever fundamentally, and I give you this guarantee, we will only ever fundamentally change as a church or make a significant change if and when God says, do this or go that way or do this thing. We'll only ever do that. And we believe that one of the things that God did last year, particularly in the second half of last year, is he gave a clarity to our vision, to our mission, to what we're called to believe as a church. And I want to communicate that to you now. I believe it's something that's exciting. It should be embraced. It's something that in a a month or two will just be the norm. I'm so excited by this. Last year, towards the end of last year, the core leadership team had been praying and we were looking at the way that we should go and we were saying, Lord, what are you saying for 2020? What are you saying for the the way forward? We want to move. We want to go where you're calling us to go. And um, we um, actually employed the services of Chris Trigg and Chris very kindly came and spent some time with us as core leaders to facilitate. It was as though God had said stuff and then we said to him, well, Chris, how can you help us to try and make sense of that? He's a very strategic kind of guy and I honour him for the man of God he is and I honour him for everything that he did to help us. And what he helps us do is understand, get a real sense of purpose in what we're called to do in 2020. Who are we called to become this year in terms of what God says? We asked ourselves some really, really big fundamental questions. Do you ever ask yourself a question like, who am I really? What did God really say about me? at this time or whenever it was. We said, Lord, seriously, what are you saying? Clearly, what are you saying to us as a church today? We believe we heard God speak really clearly. And one of the things he said to us is, people both inside and outside of the church need to, whenever they come into contact with you, whether it's walking past your building, whether it's ringing the office, whether it's going on our website or our social media or whatever, the moment they have any kind of contact with us, they need to be able to understand exactly who you are as a church and exactly what you're there to do. That's an important thing. And I don't think we really have that at the minute until now. See, for a long time, we've operated with a kind of a a mission and of transforming lives, transforming communities. And we started to think, well, what does that really mean? What do people think of when they hear that? And we really believe God said, you need to update that. You need to bring in the new. You need to bring in something new, something that clearly sums up, understandably to all, what both inside and outside of the church, what it is that we're there to do. 
And so what we've done is we've always talked on the lines of mission, vision, values, mission, what we're there to do, value, uh, values, this is who we are, and vision, this is where we're going. But we believe God said you need to, we need something new. So we've come up with a new, um, through prayer and everything like that, and seeking Chris's wisdom and everything, we've come up with a new strap line for the church. I'm so excited by this. I just think it sums up who we are. The strap line for the church is discover who God created you to be. I think people, now that might sound a little bit strange, it might take a bit of getting used to, but we want people to be able to understand that God has a purpose for every single man, woman, child, whoever. He has a purpose. Even for, for people who are not, don't yet know Jesus, he has a purpose for them. One of our jobs is to help them understand what it is. Discover who God created you to be. I'm going to talk for a few minutes and then Pete will, uh, will bring something even better. Of greatest sense to people, I believe, and this is something that Chris really helped us to understand, of great, experts agree that of greatest importance to everyone, every single human being in their lives is a sense of purpose. I need something to get me out of bed in the morning and it, only a sense of this is what I'm here to do will really do that. I believe say, if we can say Life Church Lincoln is a place where people can discover who God created them to be demonstrates that we will help people understand their sense of purpose in life, what they are here to do. I believe it's ambitious. Can we jump? Thank you. I believe it's ambitious. I believe it help, should help people to see exactly what we're here to do and what God wants from them as well. We're looking at the minute, we, we've looked so much as well at our values as a church. We had a number of values and we asked ourselves the question, do we really embody these things? And does God want to kind of, we had quite a number of them and we thought, well, do we need to kind of concentrate it a little bit rather than having so many? Do we need maybe just a few really memorable things that people can remember? And people can begin to embody. Our values are who we are. It's our sense of identity, our sense of integrity. I believe that they need to be stronger than they were. And I don't think we should even call them values anymore because there's a lady, and it's not the only reason, but there's a lady I used to work with. When I used to work um, in secular employment, before I came to work for the, I was asked to work for the church, um, there was a lady who I worked with and she was, um, she was, she was re- re- became a really, really good friend. She was in charge of the, um, sorry, can you just give me one second? This lady I worked with, she was in charge of the training department. I got to know her very, very early on in my, um, in my period of work there. Give us one second. She gave, I got, I, thank you, I got to know her very, very early on. We became really good friends, and, um, and I was really, really sad that I wasn't going to see her regularly and everything like that, because I think we really understood one another. And she said to me, as the last thing she said to me before I left, she said, James, I really like you. You have really lovely values. And do you know what? It left me really cold. It should have been a great compliment, but it left me really cold. Because I thought this, I thought, well, anyone can have values. Anyone can value you can value anything. You can value something that's bad. Anyone can have values and, and all these kinds of things are up for grabs. But what we believe is so much more important than what we value. 
So what we really want to do in this year is begin some, not so much to talk about what our values are, but what our core beliefs are. So, so many churches will talk about mission, vision, values. I think we need to start talking about mission, vision, core beliefs. Mission, vision, core beliefs. We began to bring some definition as we prayed and as we sought God and as we talked things through. Lots of prayer went into this, but it showed us that our values are these five, as a church, are these five things. And I want us to really, more than ever, look at these and remember these, and let's start embodying these. Our values, love, faith, authenticity, courage, action. Love comprises generosity, a warm welcome, encouragement, relationships, a place to be, a place to build community, a place to demonstrate not only God's love for us, but God's love, our love that we should have for God as well. Faith demonstrates placing a high, high value on the Word of God. What does it say? How should it inform the way we live our lives? There's a bit of a trend in lots of churches nowadays to look at conventional human wisdom rather than going to the source of all wisdom and saying, what does the Bible have to say? This is what we need. But we also need a high concentration of the empowering presence of God's Holy Spirit, that's faith. We need to be a church that is authentic and demonstrates authenticity. So I think that can demonstrate things such as having a high level of integrity, seeking to do everything we do well, but with integrity as well. And having a strong identity in Christ, being anchored, being found in who we are, not in what anyone says, but in what Jesus says about us. Courage demonstrates having boldness, daring to do stuff people maybe haven't done before or haven't done for years. And creativity in all that we do. And action shows that we want to be a missional people. We don't just want to come here on a Sunday and then go and live our lives as though nothing ever happened. But we want to be out there. I think we should understand that every single person here has a part to play. You might think, well... You know, maybe those days are behind me, maybe, or I can't really imagine anything. Well, can I say, while there's still breath in your lungs, there are people to tell about Jesus? Yeah? Pete's got a great way of getting that across to you in, in just a minute. It says in James 2.17, it says, Faith without works is dead. In other words, if you're not putting your faith to work, if you're not demonstrating your faith, then is it really faith? It's not meant to be just bottled up. There's something in the world now that says, keep your faith private. Well, I don't think Jesus ever did that. I believe that your faith, my faith, is supposed to be front and center of who we are. And we should seek to get that across to people in a sensible way, in a polite way, in a good way, but in a way that is not ashamed. Is not ashamed and says, this gospel is too good for me to keep to myself. I need to tell other people about it. This good news of Jesus is too good for me not to tell other people. We've sharpened up our vision as well. We prayed and we said, Lord, is our vision fit for purpose going forward? I'm really excited to tell you what our old vision, our, our new vision um, is. We've, we've redefined it. We've clarified it. God said, this is the way to go. This is, will help you see. Our old vision was this. It was fine. It was nice. It was maybe fit for purpose for a while, but we thought this is not fit for where we're going. Uh, it was Our vision is that we are a church with a mandate and a mission to proclaim the good news of the gospel, to see people saved, to deepen the faith of current believers, to build real community and genuine relationships and see the kingdom advance in LN6 and beyond. And that's good, but we thought we need something with more power 
The kingdom of God is coming in power. And so our new, we, we've clarified this. This will be going on our website this week. We are a church. This is our new vision. We are a church called for purpose to lead people into a powerful, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. We seek to cultivate thriving, genuine community where ordinary people can belong and be empowered to do extraordinary things. Operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, we will see lives and communities transformed. So I am determined that at the end of my days, I will look at this area or wherever I am at the time or, and say, Lord, I've seen genuine transformation because we dared to believe you and we put what you've said to action. Our mission for many years has been transforming lives, transforming communities. And we felt two things. Well, firstly, we need to, that needs some altering. And so we've redefined our mission. We think it's going to help us to understand everything that we do as church. I'm so, I just feel like this is really us. This is really who God is saying that we are. So we have a new strapline, a new motto, discover who God created you to be. But our mission is what we're here to do. We've redefined it. We've sharpened it. Our mission is connect, grow, thrive. So what does that mean? It means we'll be looking at that over the next three Sundays. Next Sunday, we'll be looking at one part of it. And then the two Sundays that follow, we'll be looking at the other two areas as well. Connecting simply is making a starting point. We want to connect people to God. We want to connect people to people. And we want to connect people to church. And this requires us to have open eyes and open hearts to God, to what he's saying, to where he's going what he's doing. This is all stuff we, we've heard God say. This is not us trying to be clever. You mustn't look at it and think, oh, I'm not sure I like that because, well, seriously, God has shared this stuff with us. With this, I, I just want to bring a few updates and reflections on various areas of the church. And, and then before Pete comes, uh, this is out with what goes on on Sunday mornings, which I just believe, you know, the, the sound of worship coming from this place was extraordinary. There's a sound of heaven in there. It's amazing. It's just it's a pleasure to be here as well as to worship with all of you. The sound was beautiful. It was different. It's a different sound to what the world's giving us. Christmas 2019, I think we managed for me it was like I know we all have our preferences and our favorites, but it was my I think it was the best Christmas we've ever had because we were able to not only put on some really good events and things within the church, but we were able to get out there into the local community and meet more people than we've ever seen. Made more connections than we've ever made. It was brilliant. If you weren't really involved, just think Christmas 2020, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get involved. And in 2020, I think it's more important than ever that we reach out and outreach to our community far more than we already do. We, I want us to be, we, we need to be present in our local community. We could plan loads of outreach events and, you know, we'll, we'll do some stuff over the course of the year, absolutely. But do you know what's far more effective than that on an ongoing basis is if every single one of us said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to tell people about Jesus, I'm going to be salt and light. There are more than enough people in this room to change this entire area because everyone will know someone and everyone can pass the message on to someone else. Easy. And not just thinking about this area, but this, we can play our part in this whole city, in this whole region, in this whole world. We can do our bit. Last year, Gebhardt Burns said to me, he asked me this question, he said, if you were just suddenly transported out of your community, would your community even notice? And I was like, wow. He wasn't saying that was the case, but he said, what you need to be is the kind of 
is a, a church that is so present in its local community that if you were taken overnight, then your community would be far poorer for it. That's not going to happen. So we need to ensure that everything that we do, we're connecting with, with the people on our doorstep. Our other church activities, which just includes our prayer initiatives, which Peter will talk about in a minute, Oasis, Little Acorns, Life Kids, Life Church Youth, Champion Kids Club 2019. I'm so proud of what we do. Our kids work. We, they, these people often say, oh, kids of the church of tomorrow. I think that's rubbish. Kids of the church of today. They're the church of today. And our... Um, kids teachers we don't have enough of them so whether it was as a teacher or as a helper or just somebody who wants to find out a bit more can I encourage you if you have if you really think this is saying something to you can I encourage you to go and find out come and grab me or someone else and we'll tell you or email the office or something we'll tell you a little bit more about how you could get involved find out a bit more about kids work we need more workers to help these amazing kids that we have our Sunday night service in 20 which we started in 2015 has been really great and it's given us another connection point for people but you know I just think we all a number of us independent of one another and we all came together and we couldn't believe we're hearing the same thing God just said you need to crank it up a notch so our first Sunday Sunday night service on the 26th of January we just want to make a few positive alterations, a few shifts that are going to allow us to really genuinely pursue God's presence, make more space for worship, for healing, for the prophetic, make that front and center so that people know God is among us so we can really experience him as he's there to be known. The last real thing I want to say is that in terms of our future where we go with our building, I recognize we've not said anything about that for a while and it's important to keep communicating about that. We're indebted to so many people who've put in time, money, effort, everything like that to make this building our own. And I believe that it's, if you saw pictures of what it looked like when we first got in here, it's totally different. It's been totally transformed. But we recognize that what God has said is that we need space for more people, grow as a church, everything like that. One of the ways that this may happen in the future is that God may say, well, just stay as you are here, but I want you to plant out into other places. Towns, villages, different bits of Lincoln, wherever it may be. It may, he's not said that clearly. He may do in the future. He may say, I want a bigger worship venue here, so knock down this building and build something new on the footprint. Or he may say, keep this as your base of operations, but go out somewhere else and take that over, that bigger venue that might already be there. We don't know exactly what God's saying at the minute, but what we want to do is say to you all this morning that we want to be in a place within the next three years to say this is exactly what God has said about the future of our building and we want to be in a position to have already started down the road of making that happen within the next three years. So can you please pray for us? And we, I hope that gives some clarity. Please pray that God speaks. You know, so as I finish, some of these things may sound strange or a little bit bewildering. I find the start of a new year a little bit scary as well as exciting, but I believe this is going to allow us to pursue this three-step process of connecting, growing, and thriving. It's going to allow us to really become the church God wants us to be, and we ask that you move forward with us. We're all in this together, every single one of us, and connecting is not so much about putting on lots of new programs and initiatives, but it's about you and me taking the call of God uh, responsibly, and sensibly and seriously and making a difference in your life but also in the lives of people around you so last thing last my last sentence let's make together can we make a declaration here 
and a promise to one another that we're going to make 2020 the year that we move forward boldly with love, embodying these things, love, faith, authenticity, courage, action, connecting to God, connecting to other people and to the church. That way we can see this area, our lives, other people's lives, this city, this world changed for God. Amen. Over to you, Pete. really good anyone else think that's really good I think it's really good and I'm super excited about what God is doing in this church and where he's taking us I'm super excited about the year ahead and the decade to follow and beyond as well Um, I'm going to speak a little bit about growing and thriving but before I do that I want to talk to you a little bit about why we have these words in this order because after hearing what James has just said listening to the encouragement for each of us to step out as individuals and go into the places that we're located and share the message with people, you might be thinking, well, that sounds a little bit scary. And if you are, that's okay. Real vision should be a little bit scary. But you might also be thinking, well, do you know what I feel like? I might need to do a little bit of growing before I do a little bit of connecting. But actually... It's really important that the words are in this order. Connect, grow, and thrive. Because I believe God does his best work with people who have already said yes to the journey. God does his best work with people who have already said yes to the journey. And we don't have the luxury of waiting till we're ready before we step out. Sometimes I wish we did, but we don't. And so God is calling us to step out. I don't think it's... um, He doesn't just reveal everything to us and then say, now go. It's not the way he works. He doesn't reveal details of our destinies like that. He does it in a different way. He waits for us to step out, and then he fills in the details as we go. In Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3, God gives this promise to Abraham, this instruction and this promise. He says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's a promise that is light on detail, but heavy on destiny. And actually, as you follow Abraham's story, what you see is that as he obediently steps out to uh, follow what God is saying, the details are filled in. As he goes, the details of his destiny are sort of unfold as he begins to walk into it. And I believe God is calling this church to be a people who walk by faith and not by sight. It's only when you walk by faith, I think, that we'll see the purposes that God has ordained to happen come to pass. It's it's only when we uh, stop walking by sight and begin to agree with what God is saying and walk in faith that we will see all that he has for us. We have to, as we do that, put off that fear of looking weird. The fear of saying something because it might be wrong or the fear of doing something because of what somebody might think. And one of my massive prayers for me and for this church this year is that this church be a church that is completely free from the fear of man. Completely set free from the fear of man. I believe we can make a choice today together to do that and say, do you know what? I no longer care about what any person says. I care about what God says. 
and I want to be obedient to what he's calling me to be. I want to be obedient to become the person that he's created me to become. And together, as we do that, we can become the church that he's calling us to be. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is the reminder that Paul gives to Timothy. He says, for God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. I don't know about you, but I don't want to operate out of a spirit of fear in my life. I want to operate in my life out of a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. And as we step forward into this new year and we seek to become the people that God has created us to be, let's put those core beliefs into action. Let's be faith-filled and courageous people who are bold enough to step out and take action, even when it's scary. Even when we perhaps don't feel like it. Let's be people who are courageous enough to do it. Because it's only when we begin to step out into what God has called us to do that we begin to grow into the people that he's destined us to become. And growth sometimes can be painful. Growth sometimes can be a difficult thing to do. But you know what? The things that are worth doing are often difficult to do. When I was a teenager, I remember my legs used to hurt all the time. They'd ache all the time. Every time it rained, they would ache. It's because they were growing. And sometimes as we grow, there's pain that comes alongside. There's difficulty that can happen. And even sometimes we can find ourselves in places where we feel like we don't belong. But it's okay. It's just because we're growing. And in those times and in those places, I think we just have to still ourselves. Not listening to what other people are saying. Not listen to what the world might be telling us about whether we deserve to be in that position or not but still ourselves and remember how to listen to that whisper on the wind that's reminding us of who we are and what we're called to and the purpose that we carry and the destiny that we're walking into. And as we go and as we grow, if we fall down along the way, we pick one another up. We pick one another up and we dust each other down and we remind each other of who God is and we remind each other of what he's said about who we are as well. And if we fall again, we pick each other up again. And if we fall again, we pick each other up again. And there may be times on the journey as we go that we forget who we are. We forget what God has called us to. We fall short of the mark. But we, when that happens, we pick each other up. We dust each other down. We remind each other who God is and who we are in him. And we carry on again to press into everything that he has for us. And together, we can answer that upward call, going together, empowered by the Holy Spirit, following that call to become who we were created to be, to bring glory to the one who has designed us all. And I think a life of growth and a journey of growth where things can be painful and difficult sometimes is a journey that's better spent together than alone. And that's why it was really important to us that over the last few months, we spent a lot of time looking at our small groups, looking at our life groups, and making sure that they are in the right place, getting them fit for purpose. Because I really believe that small groups have the power to change people, and people have the power to change the world. Small groups have the power to change people, and people have the power to change the world. And on a journey of growth, I don't think there's anything that will thrust you further forward, faster, into that person that you were created to be than getting alongside people who can support, challenge, care, and walk with you on that journey. 
And over the last few months, we've been working really, really hard to make those changes to our life groups, to produce a structure and, and breed a culture that um, helps us on that journey. And we want to share some more details about that with you in the next few weeks. In fact, as we finish our series uh, looking at these next three aspects of vision, we're going to follow that up by looking at a series that is all about small groups. And then on the 1st of March we will be relaunching our life groups. And it is really my desire, it's the leadership's desire, and I believe it is God's desire for every single person in this church to get somehow engaged with a life group. That may look different to different people. Your involvement may be limited by work, time commitments, or other things outside of this place. But I believe there is a call on everybody to get in, into a place where we are plugging ourselves in to a life group because if we want to get serious about stepping into our destiny and I hope it's not just me who wants to do that if we want to get serious about stepping into our destiny we need to get serious about meeting together about challenging one another about strengthening one another one of my favorite promises that Moses declares over the Israelites is that five of them will pursue a hundred and a hundred of them will chase ten thousand you know in this church there's roughly a hundred people 150 people in this community, there's roughly 10,000 people. I think that's significant. <laughs> I think that's significant. And if we can get together, if we can come together and sharpen one another and, and stir each other up and challenge one another and push each other forward, could we not, as a church of 150 people, chase 10,000? Could we not chase 10,000? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. So when we get around each other, when we remind each other of who we are and what we're called to do, we begin to sharpen one another. The Bible talks about iron sharpening iron. And when iron sharpens iron, sparks begin to fly. And Bruce Springsteen said it best by saying, you can <laughs> just takes a single spark to start a fire. And I want to see a fire burn through this place, a fire of passion for Jesus' name that is spread out into this community where 150 people come together and decide we're going to pursue God. And as we pursue God of 150 people pursuing him, we're going to chase 10,000. We're going to chase 10,000. And I think I want to see this church be a church that is an effective church, that is a powerful church. And for a church to be an effective church and a powerful church, the church needs to be a praying church. The church has to be a, a praying church. A praying church is a powerful church church if you want to change the world can I suggest start with prayer when we pray when we pray we need to get hold of this this year when we pray when the church prays something happens things change atmospheres shift and God begins to change the world and he begins to change his people and as we all together begin to pray we become more sensitive to his voice more aware of his presence and more in step with his spirit and we have this weird misconception in Christian circles about what a prayer meeting is. And it's probably um, a boring meeting where a few people get together and say a few prayers and then go home and nothing really happens. Let this be the year that misconception is smashed. Let us smash that misconception because prayer is far from stuffy or boring or ordinary. Prayer is the church in action. Prayer is earthly license for heavenly intervention. And we need to unleash the power of prayer in this place. The sound of a praying church is the sound of an army marching to war. 
an army marching to war. And I'm so excited that this church is beginning to finally get hold of the gift of prayer. And what I saw the other night when we gathered here on Thursday night for the engine room uh, prayer meeting, 20 of us, just 20 of us, gathered in that little acorn room. And as we began to pray and as we began to stir up the spirit, I heard a lion begin to roar. I heard a lion begin to roar and I heard an army begin to march. And for too long, the church in this country has been robbed of its power because it hasn't chosen to wield the weapon of prayer. This is the year that changes. This is the year the church takes back the weapon of prayer and begins to wield it against the enemy. This is the year the church begins to seek God, to fall down on its knees and to pray. It's time for all of those misconceptions about prayer to shift and to change and to be gone and to be got rid of. It's time for the church to get hold of prayer. And there's so many prophetic voices who've released words over this country for this year And they've spoken about the importance of prayer and prayer meetings. And Janice shared the word that Jared Cooper shared over over the, the, the country for 2020 on Thursday night. And his word reminds us that this shift in the atmosphere of this country is going to take place when the small prayer meetings around this country begin to come back into that place of power that they're always supposed to have. And I shared this picture on, on, on Thursday night. It's the picture of uh, Joshua and the Israelites marching around Jericho. And they march around the city six times for six days. And on the seventh day, they march around seven times. And then Joshua commands them, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And this sound of the shouting is what causes the walls to come tumbling down. And as those walls came tumbling down, in my mind's eye, it brought a picture of all of those small prayer meetings around the country, gathered together of the 50 here and the 20 there, and the 100 over there, and the 200 here, and the 500 there, gathering together, and a roar begins to build, and the lion finds its voice, and the wall comes falling down, and this country turns back to God, and people come in and are saved and transformed and discover who are they were created to be. We have to get hold of the power of prayer as a, as, a, as a church this year. We have to grow in our identities and together we need to get hold of this gift of prayer because we have authority, God-given authority, to stand in the gap. We have authority to tear down and demolish all sorts of strongholds of the enemy. We have authority to get rid of addiction, abuse, shame, self-loathing, depression, anxiety, poverty, and lack, God has given all of us that authority, and he has commissioned all of us to exercise it through the gift of prayer. Let's get hold of prayer this year as a church. We have to seek to grow and move forward as a church. Let's take hold of that power and that gift, and let's stoke the fires of our engine room as we gather this year through the power of prayer. And I think we're at the very beginning of a journey of prayer in this church, but what I saw on Thursday night excited me in my spirit. It made my spirit jump for joy to see the people of God gather and begin to declare and believe that they were called to do that and to start to walk in the destiny and the identity that they were supposed to carry. We have to get involved in it. It's a time not to miss out on prayer. You thought prayer meetings were boring? Guess what? They're not. Guess what? They're not. And for the next one, you need to be here. If you weren't here on Thursday night, come to our next one. On the 23rd, we're gathering as a whole city at Bridge Church, and we're going to pray. Prayer is not boring. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. It's time to get hold. You know, our whole lives, we are on a journey of growth with God. 
Every day, he gives us the opportunity to grow up into that person that we were created to be, to become a people of promise, to be a people with purpose, to be people of heaven-forged identities and kingdom-ordained destinies, ordinary people called to do extraordinary things in a relationship with a God who loves us and who has commissioned each of us to be salt and light and empowered us to carry the good news of the gospel into all of creation. In 1 Peter 2, it says this, and this is God talking about you and me. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you weren't the people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. As a church, we have to become people with an insatiable hunger and a desire to take hold of everything that God has for each one of us so that we can grow into the people that he's hidden inside of us. I truly believe inside of every single person here this morning, there is a person who has the power to turn the world upside down. There is a power who has the person to turn the world upside down. In Romans 8, it says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the revealing of the sons of God. And while I think we might not see the fullness of that revelation, this side of glory, I, for one, am determined to press into as much of it as I can take hold of before I get there. I don't know about you, but I want to become that person. And it all starts when we make a conscious decision to step out and to connect, whether we feel ready or not, because as we go, we grow. As we go, we grow. I'm going to ask the band to come back, and in a moment I'm going to ask you all to come forward, and we're going to pray for you, we're going to anoint you with oil, we're going to speak prophetic declarations over you. Just as the band come back, I'm going to take just a couple of minutes to look at this idea of thriving. What does it look like when we begin to thrive as the people that we were created to be? And as we begin to grow into those people, we begin to thrive as those people, flourishing in our own lives and living in a way that intentionally seeks to connect other people with who God created them to be so that they can go on that same journey and discover that for themselves and then begin to grow and thrive as that person. As we step into this new church as a season, we believe it's a, se- it's, uh, a new season that isn't really marked by one person's ministry. It's not a season that will be marked by what we as a core team do or what even by we as a church organization do. It's a season that will be marked by every single individual standing up, stepping out and beginning to walk in the identity that God has given them, pressing into the destiny that he's put on them. We have to take hold of it this morning. We have to make the choice to begin the movement today. We all have a part to play. We all have a part to play because God needs everyone to play their part in what is coming. We all have a purpose to fulfill on our lives. And the time has come for ordinary men and women and girls and boys to begin to operate in extraordinary dimensions of love and faith. God is calling, I believe, an authentic movement to arise at this time, a movement of courageous people who are bold enough to say, God, I will step out. Even though I don't feel ready, today is the day for me to step out, to step up, to stand up, to step out, to push in to everything that you have for me, to become that person you have created me to be. And I'm going to do something about it. In Matthew 9, 
Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It is time for the workers to arise. It is time for the workers to arise, Life Church. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Standing to your feet right now is a prophetic declaration that you are a worker arising. You are worker arising. The time has come for you to arise. God is preparing to produce a harvest that will require every single one of his sons and his daughters to step into their destiny and become who God has created them to be. This church, I believe, is a church that is called to produce atmospheres and cultures where every single person who is already part of this church and every single person who will become part of this church discovers their true identity by connecting with God and grows into that person and thrives in that person so that every single one of us can do what God is calling us to do so that together we can accomplish all that he wants us to do for the glory of his name. And I believe the time for that journey to begin is today. The time is now. Our whole lives have led to this point where we find ourselves here today, drawn together, young and old, men and women, people from different countries and backgrounds and different walks of life. God has intentionally gathered this group of people together for this moment in time to rise up and to play their part in this great movement. We are a church that is called for purpose in this day. It's time for each of us today, this morning, to rise up and become who God created us to be. So as we sing this final song, I'm going to invite every single person who is here today to come forward, and the core team are going to pray over you. We're going to anoint you, and we're going to speak prophetic declarations over your life as we all decide together to step out into our destinies and say, God, I am here today to become who you created me to be. Today is the day I step into my destiny. Today is the day I put on my heavenly identity. Today is the day I go from this place and I choose to connect. I choose to grow and I choose to thrive as you are called, as the person you are calling me to be. Let's respond now, Life Church. Let's step into our destiny in Jesus' name.